1: so, start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/slash people today. Hello, and welcome to the Road Report Exiles podcast. I'm Brett Lines-Davis, and I'm joined on the line by Gary Winter and Luke Bomber-Davies. How are we doing, guys?
0: Yeah,
2: all good here. Thank you, Brett. Good to, uh, good to be involved.
1: Yeah, Gary, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, excellent, particularly after that that result just now.
1: It was a very enjoyable three points. We are literally recording it. The time is 5 to 10, um, literally after the Rochdale game. So 2-1 in the bag for Sunderland. We will get well. We'll talk more about it, but it's a, it's a three happy campers here, definitely. But you might have seen at the beginning of the summer, um, the Roker report put out a call to get more Sunderland supporters on board and supply new content, and us three, along with another nine, have formed the Exiles Group. So Sunderland supporters from all over the UK, as well as Europe, have come together, and the difference with us is we're not based in Sunderland or the North East. Some of us, like myself, um, are born and raised in Milton Keynes. My parents are from Sunderland. My dad forced me to be a Sunderland supporter at a young age. Um, I have then made my daughter support Sunderland as well. Um, as, as tradition goes some of the guys are from Sunderland and have moved away from the area others who are just insane support Sunderland for no good reason but and as I say we'll be talking to all of these guys over the season and giving you a bit more what it's like being the only Sunderland supporter in the village um, and as I say for those of you, you know who have got kids what their life is like growing up as an exile how we keep up to date with all the goings on on we side also we'll be talking about today's game. We'll also be looking at um, AFC Wimbledon on Saturday. And also throughout the season, as we get to go to go games ourselves, we'll be mentioning them as well. A little bit about myself. As I said, I'm born and raised in Milton Keynes. I started watching Sunderland in 1990. So this well next year in February will be my 30th <laughs> season. A one-all draw with Watford. So some things never change. Um, and as I said, I took my six-year-old daughter to her first game last season, a one-all draw with Portsmouth. So again, it does run in the family. I've seen some absolutely great Sunderland games. seen us beat Oxford 7-0. Saw so us beat Millwall 6-0 back at Roker Park when it was uh, first v. second. And we actually went up and Millwall went down that season. Also some bad times. Losing 7-2 to Chelsea. I was at Sellers Park when we were relegated that season. Um, I was at Old Trafford when Cantona scored that iconic trip. So, you know, I've been to some good games. Um, tried to get to 10, 12 games a year. Uh, last year did Port Vale, Burton, Wickham, Oxford, South End, Oxford, uh, Walsall and Portsmouth at home. So, try to get as many games as I can. I've got my ticket today for Peterborough in two weeks' time. Yeah, so that's like, that is me. Gary, yourself... Um, what's your uh, your background supporting the lads?
2: Likewise, my dad um, was born uh, in Sunderland. He took me to my first game at Roker Park in '94, one all against Wolves. Uh, no surprise again. Uh, I think Phil Gray scored that day. It just stuck from then. I grew up with a lot of Spurs fans around me. So it would have been easy to go down that route, but I just guess it was character building. To say the least, going to school Uh, down south amongst Spurs fans who had no idea who Sunderland were, and I kind of thrived um, just listening to all the kind of rubbish banter directed towards me, which just made it even better. When I think it was under Keane that first day in the 2007-8 season, when we we scored in the last minute, it was a chopper against Spurs' first game of the season, so we were top of the league. So uh that was worth waiting for from from me and likewise just been to some of the uh the tough games, tough uh Wembley Games, Charlton twenty-one years um apart. I saw both games and yeah, just still though, I, I just just wouldn't swap it for anything.
1: No, I agree with you there. Um especially say myself living down south, all of my mates Spurs fans, um, and I, that that Chopra game in particular was very very special. <laughs> it seemed to be so long since we had a result over them. I also enjoyed the, uh, the Dibble Cisse game as well. His first game when he scored against them.
2: that was the one at White Hart Lane, was it? Yeah, I, I, I was at that game. That was that was fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, it was. It was very good. Um, and we've also got on the line Bomber Davies. I think going forward, I'm just going to refer to you as Bomber. Before I even ask you about yourself being a Sunderland fan. We're does the nickname come from
0: it's actually quite a boring story that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go into Brett. But it's a football nickname that i've had for the best part of like 10 12 years or so you know that's worse nicknames that you could have and pretty much only my mum and dad are the only people who call me luke nowadays so yeah bomber it is that's fine
1: so then bomber what now how did you come about being a sunderland fan
0: so my story is probably um well as you put it brett one of the more weird ones i don't come from the northeast i was born and raised in gloucester uh I've my parents were born and raised in Gloucester. Um I've got absolutely no ties to the North East or to Sunderland whatsoever. A lot of people listening are probably thinking, why on earth are you a Sunderland fan? Basically my story goes back to the Charlton playoff, obviously not the one uh, recently, the the previous. When I was younger, Gloucester being a rugby town, there's not really anyone local to support. Um so I was more of a fan of players rather than um rather than teams. So back in like junior school, I liked Ryan Giggs, so I followed Man United, and all my friends supported Man United, so I was kind of like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll follow them. And then, uh, and then I got a bit captured by the by the story of the of the playoff final. I watched it. Super Kev quickly became one of my favourite players. Started following the results. Grew an affinity to Quinnie as well. And then. Um, Obviously, following that, we got promoted, record number of points. I think it was a 105 point season. And the rest is history, really. I decided at that moment that they were going to be my team. Uh, I suppose at the time, in hindsight, you probably would call me a bit of a glory supporter. But the 15 years or however many years it's been since, I, I certainly can't have that accusation thrown at me uh, since.
1: Now, any, any glory you have had has well and truly evaporated um, over the past sort of 10 years, hasn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely, but there's been a lot of ups and downs. There's been an awful lot of downs, um, but, you know, I think, you know, it'd be easy for me to go and pick it, like, stick with the United or even if I wanted a, a local team like a Villa or someone like that. But when you're supporting someone like Sunderland, who have so many lows over the past decade or so, it makes you appreciate the, the highs that little bit more. You know, the Barini goal in the, in the League Cup final, the, the diving header from Gooch at the beginning of the last season, those moments you actually, they don't come around too often. So, uh, so it makes you treasure them that little
1: bit more. Oh, 100% definitely agree with you there. Um, I always find as well, one thing for me, whenever I sort of speak to anybody now about, like, but if I'm at a wedding or a, or a meeting or something, and the, the topic will nine out of 10 times turn to football, and someone says to you, Oh, you know, so what team do you support? And you know, I'd say, obviously, back Sunderland with my, my accent. The first thing I get back is, Is a, really? <laughs> Why? And I think people actually come to, respect you more for it you know not only do you support a team that you know is you know in my sense is over 200 miles away you know from where I live but you know we're we're not the best team in the world by any stretch of imagination but people seem to like that and whenever you say that though I always find that people actually quite like Sunderland
0: yeah so I've never really whenever I I, I come across somebody and they're like oh who do you support then and I have to almost embarrassingly go oh I'm a Sunderland fan Uh, and they ask the story I tell them the story And, uh, and normally it's kind of like, Oh, do you know what? Fair play. Yeah. So yeah, well, the fair play tends to come after the sympathy of, Oh, Oh, that's, you know, that's terrible for you, but you know, fair play, such has been our fall over the last four or five years or so. Um, yeah, it's been met more with sympathy than anything else.
1: No, yeah, you do get the um, the look, don't you? Um, but no, well, that's that's right. And that is what this is all about, though. It's, you know, the, this whole point of this podcast is to, you know, to let you know those guys up in Sunderland know that, you know, because it's a massive club. It's an absolutely massive club. You know, and even coming back from the playoff final, coming to Milton Keynes Station from Euston there must have been about 30 Sunderland fans come off the train in Milton Keynes. You know, and they're everywhere. Now, no matter where you seem to go in the country, around the world, you know, I was on my honeymoon in the Maldives and there was a Sunderland fan there. You know, we're literally everywhere. And I think it does show how, you know, how big this team actually, how big this club actually is. And sometimes I think we actually fully appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I think not being around and not being around the northeast and not being around the club all the time, you do kind of, think that you're in your own little bubble uh, locally. I mean, I was in a, not such a, a, as big a situation, but I, when I went down to the playoff final, I caught a six o'clock bus from Gloucester bus station. There was a, probably about five or six people on the bus in total. Uh, and lo and behold, the bloke who sat behind me had a Sunderland shirt on and was going down to Wembley as well. So I had a little chat with him down on the, on the bus. And, uh, and that was the last thing I was expecting really, was to find somebody else in a Sunderland shirt on their way down to Wembley, catching a six o'clock bus from Gloucester bus station. So yeah uh it's definitely something that you uh you take for granted and you think you're in your own little bubble and you're the only person in your town that's a, that's a Sunderland fan but yeah they they are about they're just in hiding uh, i don't know whether that's due to the you know the years of uh not necessarily being the, the proudest of Sunderland fans but uh, you know we stick with it and um it, it looks like we're on a bit of an upward curve
1: right so we're, um, the time is, it's just 10 past 10 now. So, you know, we're about half an hour after the game there um, at Rochdale, winning 2-1. Gary, what was your sort of initial thoughts of the game then?
2: I thought it was a typical kind of first half from us, Brett. um We were really slow out the blocks, like just against uh, Portsmouth on Saturday. Uh, the first 25 minutes was was slow, not much happening. And again, we just couldn't, take the initiative, couldn't control the game, get a foot on the ball and and dictate the tempo. And I guess when when McGeady scored, um, I think it was 28 minutes in, it was actually a bit of a surprise. And I just think, I think McGeady just has a lot of weight on his shoulders in this team and he just comes up time and time again. uh, So much pressure on him. But as I say, that was kind of against the run of play. Neither team had really created much. It was just, he's just popped up there. There with that goal and again with our conversion rate shots to goals is quite incredible sometimes we don't seem to create a lot but then when that chance falls McGeady's kind of put it in but that's that's kind of um, the first half and then typical Sunderland they've they've let Rochdale back in yeah as I say half half time comes and I don't know there wasn't too many boos this time which which was good Um, I guess we're trying to build a bit of momentum second half I thought much better from us. Um, we started taking the game to Rochdale in terms of shots. Anyway, I think the possession stats are uh, quite disappointing, to be honest. I just don't think we really got the ball down. We had some nice spells um, here and there in the game, but ultimately, I think Rochdale were knocking the ball around better than us. I just think uh, the goal, Charlie White. I think when things are just going your way, McGeady knocks it down. it gets caught between his legs. Um, but ultimately it finds its way in the back of the net and I think Will Grigg probably couldn't buy a chance like that at the moment and we've no, managed you're,
1: to. You're, no you're, you're exactly right there what you're saying about the first half I thought the exact same you know up until you know the 27th 28th minute when we actually scored we we weren't in the game I didn't think and I, I don't know what it is we just seem to be starting games really really slowly you know after we Although today we didn't concede first, the last three games in the league we've conceded first, and we—I don't know what it is—where are just not we're not warmed up. We're not warmed up at all for games. Obviously, we scored in the 27th minute, and we probably then had our best five minutes of the first half. After that, and then it was just a really like sloppy goal to give away. I'm actually I'm not actually sure for the goal itself. If it took a nick off someone because McLaughlin just looked completely. Wrong footed by it. I watched it on the SAFC stream, and obviously, you, you don't get the replay from all angles. And I can't, I can't, if he just didn't see it or what. But no, we just, we're just not getting going. Yeah. And as you say, half time yeah, is one thing that does frustrate me this season. I actually thought it was a really good comment that Stuart Donald made in the um, podcast on, on Saturday is where with the expectation being so high now with this team, but the players aren't, the League One players for a reason. You know, Aiden McGeady should be, a, obviously, is a far better player than the League, but he's in League One. You know, they're not, the, the pressure for someone to win every game is massive. When, when we was in the Premiership, we didn't expect to win games. So it didn't really matter if we were losing, but as long as we gave it a go. But we, um, no, so we, we kind of turned it around, I thought. For me, the first half, the, the man of the match, and probably being our signing so far, I don't know what you guys think, was uh, Willis at the back. You know I think you know he, he himself's been an absolutely fantastic sighting for me.
0: <laughs> I love Willis. Look. I absolutely love Willis. i um I was in, in some of my frustrations in that first half, i I actually was a bit sad and I kept a tally of uh of Willis's contributions, and he, i I kept cause he just kept winning everything in the air, nothing was getting past him, so I was like, I'm actually going gonna keep a tally. So in terms of one on one challenges and headers that that Willis has gone up for, he was fourteen nil. Uh, against any other any other Rochdale players uh, today yeah and then I think just going back a a little bit to that Portsmouth game that header as well those the last two games in particular I think he's really come into his own he got a little bit of stick at the start of the season but he was the best for me he was the best player tonight and um, uh, uh, we'll rely on him massively and he's been what we've been crying out for
1: I was actually amazed to hear last week that that was his first headed goal. Really? Um, yeah, he said, he said in an interview afterwards that that was his first headed goal he scored. And I thought that was amazing because the bloke looks like he'd win every header ever. You know, it's just the, um,
0: yeah
1: he, he has been an absolute rock at the back. And I must admit, I do, the, the pairing has got to be now going forward, him and Ozturk together. You know, they seem such a, you know, compared to Flanagan and um, Baldwin, them two seem solid to me.
0: Yeah, no, no I, I agree with that completely. Like, I think a lot was made of um, was it Henderson, the Rochdale striker, who was supposed to be breaking all sorts of the Rochdale goal scoring records this season. I don't really think you would have noticed that he was on the pitch tonight, such as the job that that Oz and, and Willis did. Any chances that that Rochdale had seemed to to come from either a little bit deeper or from out wide. It certainly didn't get in behind the centre halves, from what I can remember
1: do not and that is actually one point I've got. of you know I've wrote down today is our fallbacks. You know, there's they you are know, playing as when I was sort of playing Sunday league and sort of Saturday football as, as you know as a, when I was younger, I was a right back. Now I do feel for McLaughlin as a, a right-footed player having to play on the left because I was sort of watching like like yourself watching Willis. I was sort of watching him, especially in the second half where he'd pick the ball up and he he. As a professional footballer, he should be able to kick with his left foot. He's so right-footed, he's got to play on the right. You know, you're not—he's not going to play well on the left. You know, and I don't know where that where that puts in, because I actually think he's fantastic. You know, but I'd actually like to see him further forward personally. And I don't know what you yes, guys think.
0: Yes, so, I, I think the same. I think O'Neen—he does a job there. He's not the answer. We quite clearly need a couple of new full-backs. I, I'm a bit loath to um, to kind of dig out McLaughlin a little bit because. On some of the notes that I made on the game, there was two or three times where he'd pick up the ball on the left-hand side, where we'd knocked it around relatively easily and quite well at the back, and then he'd just play a ball down the line. But because he's right-footed, that ball is travelling from right to left, and he'd kicked it out for a throw-in, I think, three, maybe even four times, trying Uh, to play that ball down the line. Um, And I think he gave away a couple of silly free kicks as well, where the player had got on the outside of him and where he's used to... I guess turning when players are going down the outside, he's used to turning to the right. He's having to turn to the left. It's it's he's lost that little bit of an edge, and he he did give away a couple of silly free kicks in and around the box today as well.
1: No, and I, and I agree with that. He's because angles, he's not used to the angles. And so, and I, that's what I say. I'm not digging him out at all. I'd I'd like to see him at right back. You know, if you've bought a player to be right back, playing right back, you know, mm. obviously, and I also I don't think it's giving um, any confidence to Denver Hume got a left, you know, you've got a left back there who we're not, you know, we're not playing at all, you know, Gary, no. you know, Gary, what, 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 you know, what do you think, you know, how, you know, where should we be doing sort of like fallback wise?
2: I mean, I'm going to be a little, little harsher on C. McLaughlin. Um, I, I just think that, I mean, you pointed out as a professional footballer um, that he should probably be able to kick with both feet. and yes, I can uh, make an exception for him that position wise it's, it's not easy kicking with your right foot down the left but some things for me are just just simple simple things just I guess it started for me I, I went to Ipswich away and the amount of times the ball either rolled over his foot or under his foot and these types of things for me are just unacceptable and um, I just think w- whether he's right or left I think he he should be doing better and tonight I just think that a lot of the attacks particularly later on it was the 16 year old for Rochdale Matheson. Uh, seem to be getting the better of him quite a bit and finding a lot of space down that side. So some of those dangerous crosses coming in just seem to be coming down McLaughlin's side. And uh, particularly, there's one I think it was about. It might have been in the very last minute. Um, luckily, I think it fell to uh, their less than prolific striker, the Calvin Andrew, just just headed it into. The goalkeeper's arms, but I mean, anyone else that, that could have been in, and then we're looking at a 2 2. As far as 09 goes, massive fan of 09, but the thing is, like you said, he's, he's not really a right back, and then you get the best of both tonight with 09. So the goal for Rochdale actually comes down 0-9 side, the ball is played across our, our box to the edge, and whether McLaughlin's wrong for us or not, I'm not sure, but that ends up in a goal. But then Two brilliant runs down the right by 0-9, That one where he gets to the byline and hooks it back for McGeady to knock to white. It's it's brilliant work, but then that kind of exposes the weakness as well as the strength. And um, that's where I'm at with the
1: fullbacks. I'd always like to see 0-9 in the middle because that is the one, the one place we we sort of really lack. Well, I think pace in general. In that team is lacking. I think we'd all agree on that. Yeah, you know, you, but I'd like to see a nine moved into the centre. Ledbetter, I'm I'm a surprise he played today. I, 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 I think he actually played all right in the main. I think the legs have gone a bit, but he's a bit of a strength on it. You know, I, I think he's he's not, not everyone's a fan, but I think he's okay from corners. Uh, we started, you know, I don't think we would scored a corner since until he arrived last season. Him and Power, I think, are two. Similar to each other, power seems to have completely gone off the boil for me. Even after his first sort of five six games with us, when he was simply to be really on fire, and then he had a couple of send-in's off, and I don't think he's ever, he's ever recovered from that. You know, I don't know. You know, again, sort of like Luke, what do you think? Sort of in, in the centre of the park, how? Where do you think? You know, does it work then too, or would, would you change things around? I,
0: I think he had to stick with it. So Jack Ross had to stick with it after the the Portsmouth game. Obviously, they both played in the middle there against Portsmouth, um, and the the result dictated that, it had to, that they had to start again today. I think Power, he's certainly got better this season. I, think, I don't think any, either of the two centre midfielders were particularly brilliant today. I think Ledbier was whilst not doing anything particularly wrong, he was a little bit anonymous. But I do agree with you that I think he, you know, he's that little bit older. He's, his legs probably have gone. And I think Max Power probably bails him out in that respect. So when, when Max Power is playing well... I think he makes Leadbitter look that little bit better because he can can kind of cover areas of the pitch that Ledbitter can't get to. I wouldn't see it as being my centre midfield pairing for the for the season. Uh, I mean, for one, Leadbitter's is not gonna not gonna get through a forty six game season without without having to miss a few um, from fatigue or from injury. I'm surprised that Dobson hasn't been given more of a run in the last couple of games. I, I thought he was a little bit unlucky to lose his place in the team in the first place. I know the change of formation probably dictated that a little bit. I think mcgeoch has been a little bit unlucky to lose his place in the team as well, but you can't start everybody. Um, no. And like I said, the, the team kind of gets dictated to by the results at, at the moment. And you know, from from it being all doom and gloom when the final whistle went against Oxford, comparing that to the final whistle against uh, against Portsmouth, the results will dictate. Who's not not just in those positions who will start in those positions, but who will start in that starting eleven. It's no surprise that today we've lined up with only one change that was enforced because McNulty went off with um, was it a with a thigh strain or a hamstring strain he, he picked up against Portsmouth. I,
1: I think it was a thigh strain he got. didn't really shoot. I think mean, he, he actually he did it fouling someone. If mm. I remember rightly on um on Saturday. But yeah. no, I think I actually think he's going to McNulty is actually going to be a really good player for us this season. I think. Up front, White. I actually, I like White. I think he, he's worked hard, and every single ball, all of a sudden, is sticking to him. You know, it, I, I think he. Came, I don't know stat was on um, Saturday. I think it was something like he won fourteen headers or something. Yeah. Like within thirty minutes or so, was something. You know, he was winning everything. And again, I thought today he did a shift. He got a, as you say, he got a goal that Will Grigg would have absolutely have loved the ball to have dropped to his feet there. Um, the only thing I think of him is he needs support around him one sort of the Maguire I don't think always fits that role as, as to, to play off the striker I um, you know he got a goal on Saturday today I think he wasn't he actually, I think he actually played better when he went out, out wide a little bit and had a bit more of like you know he could get, get down that touchline sort of thing so I think we do need somebody up front you know, if, if we're going to play White, he just needs support he needs McGeady right near him he needs Gucci if he's playing right sided to be, you know, they all need to be really, you know, instead of like a flat four-four-two or four-one-four-four-one-one, one, we always need to have three up front sort of thing just to help Wike out. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he needs some, he can't get winning the headers and having no one around him for 10-15 yards. So on the wing, I know you're not the biggest fan of Gooch. <laughs> um, talking to you earlier, Bomber. So uh,
0: uh, Gooch is a bit of a, an enigma for me. So I, I, he's, he has been great. Uh, he was he was decent against Portsmouth. He hasn't been bad, but I, just today he just frustrated the hell out of me. There's so many loose touches that he lost the ball, or he's trying to play passes, which he's just playing it straight to straight into Rochdale players. Uh, as I said before, I I've spilled half a bottle of beer shouting at him in the first half, so he's not in my, my not in my good books at the moment. But yeah, he's he's frustrating because he can be very very good when he's on form and when he's directing, when he's running at people and he's running behind in behind. It can be very effective. But today, maybe I'm being a bit harsh because I've, I've managed to spill some alcohol as a result of him. But I don't think I've seen somebody give the ball away so much in one half of football. Um, and I was quite pleased. Again, when I was writing notes, when I was watching the game, I've written Gooch off the grig, dot, 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 good. with about five exclamation marks after it. So yeah, it's a funny one for me with, with Gooch. There's no, there doesn't seem to be anything in between. It's, he's either very, very good or he's just awful.
1: Gary, what's your thoughts on um, Gooch? Is he the man for right for the right hand side, or would you um, would you bring somebody else in?
2: For me, uh, Brett, it's just a case of long, long, grueling season ahead, and I think he's got a part to play in the squad. Like Luke said, he's 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 has great games. He's had some good games to start the season. Obviously, bagged a couple in the first two, but yeah, tonight was one of those nights for him, and we've come to see that, particularly in the second half of the season last year. So. I just think sometimes it's going to require Maguire going over to that side. Obviously, in in the game, McGeady tends to switch over sometimes. Uh, As I say, I think there's a a role for him, but is he going to be one of the key men in Sun's promotion push? I I don't know. I guess uh, there's other players that I'd probably put more emphasis on, but he's just, there's always going to be a place for him because when teams are doubling up on McGeady, even Maguire sometimes when he's on form, whacks a big, big guy up front um, that drags the tension of defenders. So, so Gooch is going to be that spare man that that could drop into a bit of space. And if he can produce something, then he could be quite dangerous for us.
1: I actually um, like Gooch as a player. You know, I do think he's, he's hardworking, you know, he's grafted, he's got that little bit of Niggle about him, I think that you, you definitely need in in this league. You now we've got a few of those players now, which is um, I think you need to be a bit not quite. I would to use the phrase streetwise, but you know, it's a it's a rough and tough league we're in, where you can't just sort of play your way out. You need to sometimes say have that niggle um, to get through games. Also, we had that last season with catamole God bless him. He's now he's he's left the lefty shores, but no, I I I like Gooch to be fair. The guy in the game then so. Who would your man of the match be today, Luke? Are you going for uh, Willis?
0: I think it's a it's a toss up for me. It's Willis. Like I said, fourteen and zero in terms of it, those aerial battles or those one on ones, and just he was just such a presence. And like I said before the game, everyone's talking about Ian Henderson. Everyone's talking about him breaking Rochdale's goal scoring records, etc. And he was anonymous today, and that's by and large down to down to Willis. Um, I think Charlie White deserves a mention as well. You know, for what he's been through and some of the criticism he's taken, you know, it looks like we're finally getting a player or the player that we thought we were getting last summer. You know, he he was battling for everything. He was chasing everything down. The old cliche, he took one for the team when he got booked in that, uh, in that second half. They are running down the left-hand side and he probably chased 20, 30 yards back, gave away a foul on the halfway line, took the book in. And, you know, that's the sort of work rate that Sunderland fans will appreciate. And he got his goal as well. You know, he didn't really put a foot wrong. He he linked up quite well with Grig when, when Grig came on. It's a toss-up for, for those two for me. But I think just because I had such a vested interest in Willis during the course of this
2: game for some reason, <laughs> yeah, uh, Jordan Willis gets it you're, for me.
1: You're going for Willis. Gary, who was your man of the match?
2: I'd, I've got similar. I'm going to add another one to the mix. Um, but, yeah, Willis I thought was was really good. Um, obviously, they did get a few chances, but we're not going to stop them all. So, yeah, I thought Willis did a great job. Um I think Wyke obviously does deserve a mention in there. Like I said, very gritty uh, centre-forward performance by Wyke. Just what we need at the moment, because if I'm honest, I don't think being a striker in this, this side, even though it looks good on paper, some of the guys that are playing around you, it just doesn't look like the most fun position to play in this team. It just seems to... <laughs> Have more emphasis on someone who kind of gets into defenders, is a bit of a nuisance, holds people off that kind of gritty play rather than getting chances laid on a plate, which is why I think Griggs partly having such a hard time. He looked more up for it today. Um, the third one I'm gonna throw in is McGeady, just because I think when it really matters, I think his goal, I know the work by O'Neill really good and he deserves some mention as well. Just the first goal, the finish is, for me, great by McGeady. And then, as I say, second goal, he's just there at that back post to nod one down. So, in, involved in both the key key goals for Sunderland tonight. So, for me, McGeady just edges it and his work rate as well, I thought, was was excellent.
1: I, do you know what? I was, I'm pleased you said that, actually, because I thought McGeady, apart from the goal, he he's always great as an outlet, you know, the ball sticks to him, you know. He can t- he'll take on a man. He'll get down the wing, but he was also defensively. I actually thought he was helping out McLaughlin a lot in that second half. You know, there was a lot of times where he was, you know, in line of our eighteen-yard box sort of thing. So, you know, I, I thought for me, you know, same man of the match. I'd have a man of the half. So it was Willis the first half, um, McGeady second half um, for me. Yeah, so we so I, I, I you know, say so I thought they both had you know, say really good games overall. I think it was it was a. As a team, it was a good performance. As a as a holding on to a result, it wasn't a a great performance. It wasn't a. It was a job done. Backs to the wall, not out of second gear. It kind of felt like there was points of like last season. um, We went on a bit of that unbeaten run, but was never really great. I I spent spent all last season thinking we're going to do some, but at some point it's all going to click into place. And we'll do someone like four, five nil, and then it's away we go. And it never ever happened, and so far like this season, for me, we're not out of second gear yet. You know, we're just looking at the tables at the moment. I know it's really early days. Obviously, we've only been four games in. We're we're actually in sixth um, at the moment at eight points. There's um, us, Ipswich, Wickham, and Coventry all on eight points, so we're technically joint third. You know, it's it's a good start. Had, had we been in Oxford. That first game of the season drew of Ipswich. It'd have been we've been well charged for that, but you know it's the performances as it's the last two games are enough. But I think on a, on against a better team today, who could as you say who could could have taken us. Watchdale um, had two or three good chances at the end that McLaughlin had to make saves for. Um, he tipped one just around the post. At the other one say they won the head up. The guy was completely unmarked in the centre. And you know, thankfully, you managed to catch it. Better teams, I think, would have taken something off us today. So, a lot of work to do, but enjoy, you know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. As as we said right at the beginning, you know, being Sunderland fans, let's enjoy the wins. You know, and that's exactly what we need to be doing. But looking forward now to the weekend, obviously, it's AFC Wimbledon. Bombard, Luke, is there anything that you would look at changing in that team ahead of Saturday's game?
0: I kind of just reiterate. What I said earlier, you know, at the moment, we're, we're playing well in patches, but the results dictate the team selection for me at the moment. You know, it's, it's kind of, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I'll, I'll take patchy performances if the results keep coming. And so far, that seems to be what's happened. You know, we've not played particularly brilliantly. We've certainly not played well throughout a 90-minute period. There's not an awful lot that I would change. I would possibly look at perhaps bringing Denver Hume back in, I think he's been out the team for 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 a couple of games now. Yes, Jack Ross brought him back in for the last kind of was it 10 minutes or so in the Portsmouth game, but I think a game against uh, I don't want to sound disrespectful to AFC Wimbledon, but a game against Wimbledon would be a perfect opportunity to bring him back in as part of a flat back four. Let's move McLaughlin back over to right back so that he can finally play in his um his preferred position and then it's a case of what do you do with Luco Nine? Do you I mean, based on today, I would I would start him in place of of Gooch and drop Gooch down to the bench. So your front three essentially, or front four, is is White, McGee, Maguire and um an oh nine. That's probably the only personnel change I'd make. For me, White retains his place up top, although Grig did well when he came on. He worked hard. White's been been good for us the last couple of games. He's got his goal tonight, which will do him a world of good. He keeps his place, the two centre backs keep their place. The only other place I'd question, I don't know what you two guys think, is is what you do with the centre midfield too.
1: I think I would be, um, and again, not because of performance, purely because of fatigue, I'd be looking at taking Ledbetter out on Saturday. In the end, I'd like to see Dobson um, or Mickey um, off in the centre. Just it up of anything. Say it's not a criticism of um, Better. I say I think he'd done enough to keep kept his place, but I don't think he can play three games in a week. I was actually surprised he started today, if I'm honest. So you know I'll be quite happy if, if Saturday, like you just said, uh, Denver Humes in, McLaughlin's on the right, O'Neen on the, as right wing. I'll be more than happy to see that team line up. Gary, what, what are your thoughts?
2: I wouldn't disagree if, with any of what was just said. Uh, same with Leadbitter though. Tonight, I think I was surprised that he started because in my head I had it down as maybe Dobson coming back in tonight, and then I was thinking Power maybe take a rest on Saturday, just being that he didn't have much of a preseason. He's played back to back games, Accrington and oh sorry, and Portsmouth, and tonight he just might need need a rest there, and maybe that's why why he went off, but. That, that seems like too many changes when I think about it. Led Bitter and power out centre midfield. But um, I think onion I probably want to leave it right back. It's just, we say about giving him a chance in midfield. And I know he's not had a run of games. It's just when he gets the opportunity like that, the game away at Ipswich, he, he didn't exactly seize the opportunity. Um, so I'd be a bit wary of that, that change. Um, Embleton is one that I was looking forward to watching the season. And I think it's a real shame that I know he didn't do too much in that first game against Oxford, but it's a real shame. It's just one of those that if we can't bleed a player in, in League One of, of that talent and age, I mean, he's gone through the England ranks. They obviously see something good in him. I'm not sure what kind of message that sends out to the other other guys looking to sign contracts and stay with the team as if this is a place... Uh, to play your football and get opportunities so for me I'd quite like to see Embleton just just get a run in in the team and again I don't want to disrespect AFC Wimbledon it's at home and there's part of me that just thinks those are the kind of games that we should be taking to them and we should be able to put a Denver Hume back in and Embleton in and win the game.
1: When we got relegated from the championship that was one thing that one of the straws to cling on to was well look we can clear the decks bring the kids in and and almost rebuild. but then I think also the urgency that we must get back to the championship has kind of stopped that and I, I do think as um, you know as supporters as, as, as a team as, as a club we are quite we're hard on the young players like the, the you know the youth we don't even to want to give them they, they, we expect them to be almost like the class of 92 and be amazing world beaters. But that team famously lost to Aston Villa the first game of the season. You know, so you've got to give the... They're going to make mistakes. Denver at left back will definitely make mistakes and may cost us a couple of goals. But... Yeah,
0: it's an interesting... Sorry, Brett, but, I was going to say, it's an interesting point that you make there about the young players and kind of the pressure we put on them. I think we've been so lucky as a as a fan base, we've been so lucky that we've seen the likes of, you know, Pickford, of Henderson, of Madja... You know, all, we've been blessed with these real talented young players that have done it from the age of 18. We expect every single 17, 18, 19-year-old that comes into the into the first team to be another Jordan Henderson, to be another Josh Madger. and in reality, that's not going to happen. Um, but but as a, as a fan base, we expect any new young per, young player that comes into that team, we expect them to be. What Jordan Henderson was at 1920. At, at we expect him to be at that sort of level. Um, but in, in reality, you're not going to get that kind of Manchester United class of 92 where everyone's a world beater. We've just been very fortunate that we've got a good academy set up and we've had a good group of youngsters. Not saying the likes of Embleton, and Hume, and the, and the rest aren't good, but we just expect them to come in and just to automatically be the, the, the finished product. Uh, you know, we, we're constantly looking for that next you know, local, young, local lad to come and pin our hopes to. and uh, I think it's unfair pressure on, on some of the young players. They'll get there, but they, they just need to be treated right. They just need a bit of patience.
1: No, definitely. Yes. You know, I, I, I'll spit as I say the name, but can you remember when John Hall said about having a team full of Geordies at Newcastle, you know, mm. we'd love nothing more than to have that at Sunderland. Not Nazi Geordies, but, you know, if, if, you know <laughs> five, six local lads in the team would be absolutely phenomenal. And then bringing through, like, you know, your McGeedys or whoever's to to compliment them. You know, but say we've just got to give them time. You know, and League One is the place to, you know, to do that. If you get to a championship, you loan your players to League One teams anyway. So, you know, let's give these boys a chance and let's give them some support. Um, yep. So I think they do need that. But I think, chaps, I think we'd best be sort of wrapping this up. So one very last question for you both. Saturday's fixed show. Let me have a, can have a prediction? I'll go with you first, Gary.
2: I'm going to try and remain positive, but I, I can't help but think we're, we're due a one-all one, one all draw. Um, we had two <laughs> tough games against them last season. Uh, we got away with with them like, by, by the go- one goal. Um, obviously, Catmull was no longer with us. He he kind of took that one by the scruff of the neck away at their place, and we don't have him anymore. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say we're gonna scrape it 2-1 because we just seem to have to concede a goal at the moment. And as you said at the beginning, I think 2-1 might be the
1: new 1-1. We have got 2-1 there, Bomber. What are you saying?
0: So I'm gonna say I'm gonna stay optimistic. You know, I'm, I'm a half glass full kind of guy. I wasn't panicking too much when we drew on all Oxford. With AFC Wimbledon, I've got one point so far. They lost to Ipswich tonight. Admittedly, they went 1-0 at, but it looks like they got battered in the second half. They lost that 2-1. Um, I'm going to go uh, 2-0. I'm going to go our first clean sheet of the season, and I'm going to go um, a comfortable, if unconvincing, 2-0 victory.
1: All right, well, I'm going to go... I'm gonna be- my glass is overflowing um, I want to go 3-0 we're going to finally click into gear I've been waiting for the last year to happen so 3-0 um, McGeady, Maguire, White, all getting the goals
0: <laughs> so that's a that's a bold prediction common goal scorers as well
1: that's a bold prediction mate so right then I'm going to wrap it up though so this has been the very first Roker Report Exiles podcast um, Gary and Bomber thank you very much for uh, chatting to me here and uh, yeah I hope to speak to you guys again soon
2: cheers Brett cheers Cheers to having us